Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. We're here to talk to you today about the dawn of DC. And if you have no idea what the heck that is, it's brand new. Announced just this last Thursday. What is coming for DC after the events of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths? We know Lazarus Island is kind of covering the magical corner of the DCU and it's supposed to have some ramifications. I, I sort of have my doubts on how, you know what those ramifications will be how long reaching they'll be probably won't affect much outside of the magical corner of the DC you to be honest. Uh, but coming after that is going to be Dawn of DC. So 20 new titles uh, and we're going to, they've announced nine so far. Rocky and I are going to break down uh, the titles and the creative teams so far and kind of our thoughts in general, but um, without talking about any titles specifically, Rocky, what did you, how do you feel about the announcement? Well, well, it's a long time coming, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, I, I'm reflective of a voice that many of us have uh, uh, had uh, over the last year and a half with DC. We've, you know, you and I have tried to stay genuinely, generally positive about DC as, as much as we can, but they have been in, in many respects. We could probably say in some, certainly some of its corners on a creative low. And so Future State, I think, was overall, I don't think it was as successful as many of us had hoped. This is something I'm very much looking forward to. 20 new titles. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. There, there's some areas of, you know, p possible concern or what have you, but just the feeling of this. This feels like we're headed into something different. I, I personally, you and I have maybe different opinions on Lazarus Planet, but at least post-Lazarus Planet, I, it looks like... There, it looks like we're moving forward to maybe a DC that we're a little bit more familiar with, at least pre, uh, you know, hopefully something new. I mean, we something needs to change. Something needs to change. And while I wish the creative teams were a little bit more varied, for the most part, I, I, I remain uh, more positive. I'm more positive and I feel better about this than I did when we were talking about Future State, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. But uh, what, what, what are your overall impressions with the announcement? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in terms of, um, you know, being a long time coming, as you said. Um, I I guess I sort of, I don't know, I, I have kind of mixed feelings about it. There's part of me that thinks, well, this is the most generic initiative ever, right? Like dawn of the DCU. I mean, we, we, we can speculate and we can try to read things into it and, and we may very well do that. But this doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of passion or a lot of, I mean, that's, again, the title's so generic. This could be anything. So I suppose it's better than if they were saying, you know, death of the DCU and we're getting more you know, dark and gritty or we're getting more zombies or anti-life equation infected characters or, or what have you. So at least it sounds like it's, you know, back to a more upbeat. Um, but DC's been a mess. You know, as much as we praise certain individual titles – Overall, DC continuity has been a mess for a long time. Um, ever since, you know, Rebirth kind of went off the rails and they tried to have their cake and eat it too with everything counts, uh, all the stories matter, and then the aborted, you know, 5G. Uh, it's, yeah, and then we, we that, and 5G basically became two, two issues of a series called Generation uh, forged and I can't remember yeah. the other one. <laughs> That's right. Well, the Generation lost. And that was, that was exactly. actually a good, that was actually a good, good story. 
compared yeah. to what you know the, a lot of the other things other events that we've had going on since then well but, it's just a lack of focus i think a lack yeah, of focus a lack of a feeling of a direction that, that are uh, us longtime fans we can't really put our hands on on any kind of consistent pulse you know they're just it's like a cardiogram dc is just all up and down up and down up and down with no consistency and so i'm hoping that this is just maybe puts rights rights the wrongs a little bit well you also have to remember that didio left and you know not yeah. not not by his own choice, but yeah. by his own admission, it was probably time for him to move on. Yeah. So, you know, that that was another part of kind of the, the upheaval, the lack of a consistent vision. Um, you know, they also had a lot of question marks in terms of, okay, who, who's still going to have a job? Who's not? Um, you know, it took a while for Marie Javins to be named uh, editor-in-chief, I think is her title. If you recall, she was co-editor in chief for a while with Michelle Well. So, um, and they didn't know, you know, what kind of staff they're going to have. Like in the midst of this was that whole AT and T shakeup, and you know, then the the news that AT and T was going to sell um, was going to sell to uh, Warner or uh, uh, Discovery rather, and and we all know the debacle that that has been. <laughs> you held out hope because what else could you do? Um, but yeah, them canceling movies that are already in the can and, uh, you know, it's just a fundamental lack of understanding of the way that, that comics work. So, um, you know, it, being that they're servants to their corporate over overlords, um, it, it doesn't surprise me necessarily that they're in the position they're in, um, and, and that they're getting this idea of, um, of kind of, hey, let's get something that's sort of vanilla and is, is not going to offend anyone. But at the same time, it can be anything, right? I mean, you put it, as you say, the dawn of the DCU. Um, again, it's just so, so generic. So let's get into um, some specifics of the announcement. Uh, like I said, it's supposed to be a year-long initiative. It spins out of Dark Crisis and, uh, and Lazarus Planet. So the the press release says that after those events, superheroes emerge from the biggest and devastating battles of their lives, reinvigorated in their fight against evil. There's supposed to be 20 new titles with superstar creative teams, uh, villains that will push the heroes beyond their limits, uh, multi-event narratives, and it all kicks off with Action Comics number uh, 1051, which we already know is going to have stories by Philip Kenny Johnson. And Dan Jurgens and um, Leah Williams. So, like I said, that that's already announced. We already know what's coming. We already know the stories they're telling. And we also know there's a new Superman number one coming out from Joshua Williamson and Jamal Campbell. And um, we've also got the uh, Adventures of Superman, which is going to start John Kent. So, um, my only worry, you know, it says 20 new titles. I hope DC is not expanding the line. I hope these 20 new titles are replacing titles that are already going on because Lord knows they put out enough books already. Um, well, I would just be careful other- when, when you say that. I, I'm curious because there, there's some titles in particular like Hawkman that, I mean, there are some titles that are not ex- currently existing that I would like to see. I would like to see a right. Hawkman. I, I would like to see, that, some, you know. I, I'm not saying I want to see stuff replaced one for one. Um, you know, like, so for example, if, you know, Batman urban legends ends and then Batman brave and the bold takes its place, you know, 
I, I mean, I hope these aren't 20 titles in addition to the current titles for, you know, a grand total of 20 more titles per month. That's just too much content. And they'll be cannibal, cannibalizing their own readership. Nobody's got time to read all that. Uh, and no, certainly nobody has the money to, to spend on all those books. So um, I hope it's not 20 titles in addition to what they're putting out. And the other point I want to make about this before I, I get your thoughts is I, I really don't want 20 new number ones. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. Like, obviously, if you're replacing a, a Batman Urban Legends with a Batman, Batman Brave and the Bold, you've got to, you know, start over with a new number one. But I, I don't understand why this new volume of Superman can't just pick up where the last volume left off. Remember when comics used to do that? Um, but anyway, uh, what are your thoughts on this idea of, of 20 new titles? Well, uh, I, I, I like it because the current crop of, of titles, I think, uh, I think we need a revitalization. And, you know, I, God, you know, I find myself being, I'm almost inclined, like, I'm definitely someone that I don't like a whole slew of new number ones, generally speaking, but... I actually, I want DC to, to feel differently, to move on a different different path. So I, if ever there was a time where maybe we should have some new number ones, I, I could maybe understand it now in, in a strange kind of way. And I know I'm kind of contradicting my own self because I've bitched about too many number ones before. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, whether we like it or not, we're in the age of comics where we have, we have new numberings and then we have the legacy numbering. And they can, you know, they can go the more, we know what the legacy numberings are. They'll remind us. So we have that. And I think for, I think for uh, comic book fans, I, I don't think that the new numbering is necessarily going to keep people away. And uh, I think there's still an argument to be made as much as I have fought against it in the past that a new numbers probably helps. I, I think, I think in particular, for example, I, I think, I think the Superman family needs a revitalization. It needs, it needs, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of the direction of the Superman uh, uh, universe, the Superman family as it is right now to begin with. So I guess for me, I don't care about the numbering so much. I just want to see, are these stories going to be something that's going to, I'm going to find compelling? And it really comes down to the creative teams. The, the number 20, I, I don't, as long as they're good, I don't care. You and I are going to likely be reviewing all of them. Now, you and I are outliers because not Dude, too many people. How can we possibly review 20? Like, imagine every what? week if there were five more books. Like Some, well, some, some, some weeks would be re reviewing 23 titles. Yeah. That's well, insane. I, I just well, I don't see how that's tenable. Well, well, I guess I guess we're going to see, won't we? I, I guess we're going to see because we're going to be uh, we're going to have to make some choices, selective choices in terms of what we're going to be reviewing if we're if we're not in a position to review them all or maybe we'll have to break them up into two podcasts or whatever the case might be depending on how it goes, but it really comes down to to, to, to quality. I mean, and that's where these creative teams really matter. And of course, we're going to we're going to get into it and scrutinize these creative teams, because I think some of them are, I think, inspired choices. And some of them I'm baffled by their choices. <laughs> so there's, it, it's sort of an eclectic mixed bag of uh, creative choices here on some of these titles that uh, I find uh, rather, rather interesting. So I'm not sure uh, how you want to approach this. Uh, do you, uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's clearly quality over quantity is the most important. Is it, 
your biggest fear is what that there's it's just too damn many we should have maybe you know had yeah, fewer titles yeah. better written yeah if you i worry that it's going to be so many that again you're going to be cannibalizing and then these titles don't get a chance right because okay if somebody's a dc fan they're on a limited budget they can't buy every single dc book so then you have to start making choices and it might not be so much that they don't want to be reading a certain title it's just they they can't afford it so you're you're you know you're again you're cannibalizing your own readership you'd have higher circulation numbers um and it's great for us to say yeah uh if there's literally five more titles every week we'll just we won't review everything but we will we will because we, we've talked about doing that before when there's 18 and we end up talking about them all because we can't we just can't help ourselves we we love comics that much so anyway yeah let's start going down the list of uh of titles for the first time in decades uh and and perhaps due in in part to uh, the television show Doom Patrol is returning. It's going to be written by Dennis Culver and Chris Burnham. Uh, it's going to come out in March. And it's, the title is actually Unstoppable Doom Patrol. I don't really have a dog in the fight for this one. Um, I couldn't even tell you who all these characters are. I, I know. And that the, the artwork that we have for this uh, within the press releases by Todd Nock. Um, I, obviously, Robot Man, they're front and center. Um, and... We have Elastigirl in the back and Negative Man. The other three, I don't know who they are. And the other, the other thing that I'll mention, the little D with the P in the middle, I had no idea what that was. <laughs> uh, Rocky had to tell me. And I don't know. Maybe that's their logo from the TV show. I'm not really sure. Maybe the look here looks a little bit like the TV show. Again, I'm not sure. I've never seen anything but a couple of still images of Robot Man from the TV series. And I'm not a big Doom Patrol guy because um, I wasn't a big Grant Morrison guy. I... I bought Doom Patrol back in the day. I don't remember who the writer was, but the, the 80s version of Doom Patrol that came out that had Steve Lytle art, I loved that series. Um, but then when it came back under Vertigo and got all weird with Morrison, it kind of it turned me off from the Doom Patrol, and I've, I've never read any Doom Patrol since then. So uh, don't really have too many thoughts on this, but I imagine well, they're trying to capitalize somewhat on the uh, on the success of the, of the television program. So... Anything to add? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I actually, I, I feel happy for Dennis Culver because, you know what, I haven't been a huge fan of the titles that Dennis Culver has been on. Uh, he did uh, Gotham Future State, which I think Gotham Future State was one of the worst books that was consistently printed by DC coming out of Future State. And ironically enough, I'm not blaming Dennis Culver for that. I think Dennis Culver is actually a decent writer. I think he's just, and, and I think he's, his collaborations with uh, Williamson, I, I think he's he's probably a decent storyteller, but the story in Go in, uh, in Gotham, in Future State Gotham, just, it, it didn't work. It was a poorly conceived title. Future State was poorly conceived. Dennis Culver, uh, I really liked his collaboration with Williamson on Justice League Incarnate. I love Justice League Incarnate. I love the ideas in Justice League Incarnate. So it dealt with the multiverse. It was eclectic. It was crazy dealing with all kinds of crazy new characters that are established multiversity like characters in the multiverse. And I, I think Dennis Culver, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here and say I think he's an untapped. I think... I'm hoping for him to bloom here. And I, I can't think of a better title to put Dennis Culver on. Doom Patrol. We don't know a lot about Doom Patrol. I, I actually I actually do I, I do have a lot of back issues of Doom Patrol. And uh, I've watched the series. I love the series. This is something in the DC the D in the DCU, meaning the DC I, I'm thinking of the DC cinematic universe or the movie verse streaming. 
Doom Patrol was popular. This should have been a title that should have been more at the forefront before. It was kind of, but it's nice to see it's getting some love. Chris Burnham on the art. I think he's an underrated artist. I, I love his art. I think it's perfect for Doom Patrol. I, uh, even the black and white that you see there, uh, it looks really good. Now, that I'm not sure if that, I think that's Chris Burnham. Uh, but in any event, we, um, we're familiar enough with Chris Burnham's uh, other art. The guy knows, uh, he's got a very, he, it's very stylistic. You know Chris Burnham's art when you see it. And I, I think that this is, uh, this is a chance for Dennis Culver to, to shine. He's, he won't necessarily be restricted too much by continuity because he can pretty much write whatever he wants in this new, you know, post dawn of the DCU. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping that this will be one of those titles that really surprises me. Yeah, you're, you know what? You're right. I, I thought it was Todd Knock, but now that I look closer, uh, it is Burnham, and he even signed it. If you look right on the cuff of Robot Man's jacket, you can see his signature there on the on the cuff. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It is uh, Chris Burnham on that cover. Uh, all right. Up next, we have the, the title, the property that won the latest DC Round Robin, Superman, The Boy of Tomorrow. It's from Kenny Porter, uh, and I don't think they've announced an – artist yet uh oh they, they, wait they have uh janoy Lindsay, uh and it's supposed to launch in april so starring connor kent he decides to leave earth behind journey of self-discovery brings him face to face with a group of freedom fighters who challenge everything connor stands for and what it means to be superman um i i'm sure i've read other things by kenny porter uh probably one shot stories and anthologies and what have you but all I can think of when I hear Kenny Porter's name is DC Mech, which has <laughs> yeah. been a problematic title for me and hasn't really yeah. worked. So I, yeah, I'm not really that interested in this one, but I know that Connor Kent is a uh, a character that has a, a strong fan base. So, you know, hopefully this is good and scratches an itch for them. Um, I'm, I'm not really a big fan of the cover either. Uh, it, it, it feels very cliche. Like, DC's going back to the well again with one of these Lobos back type covers. But uh, what do you think? Are you, you, you excited? Do you think you'll like this title? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I can be surprised if, if I mean, I, I don't know. I'm let, let's put it this way. I, I did not vote for this in the round robin. I voted this one out literally in the first round. This was, I I had absolutely no interest in this. I have a bias. I've never liked Connor Kent. Uh, When I started to like Connor Kent, I liked him. As a matter of fact, I liked him when he was wearing the... uh the, the the red the red S on a black shirt with the blue jeans. I liked an older Connor Kent. This this regret I consider this a regression back to this ridiculous looking leather jacket. I just looks dumb to me. This looks like I mean, what, to me when I, every time every time I look at this version of Connor Kent, I think that the '90s never left us. I mean, uh, <laughs> come on. But in any event, that's me being a little bit of a, a little bit of a jerk. Uh, let's just say that I. I'm not inclined to really be interested in this version of, of, of Connor Kent. But now let me say something about Kenny Porter. Kenny Porter, again, this is, I consider him kind of an unknown. DC Mech is, is, is a comic book. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. He got to play in his own universe, make up his own rules, his own universe. And he did that. And, you know, it wasn't the only reason I wasn't into DC Mech. And I, not to speak for you, but I got the impression the same from you that, well, it's just, 
you know, it, it's basically like was Transformers, right? And I just, it's, I, Transformers isn't my thing. And, you know, I, I just, I really wasn't into it. But there's no denying his imagination. The storytelling was fun. It was action-packed. Kenny Porter is an untapped resource here. And it's nice to see this is a genuine guy that's being, uh, he's, uh, you know, he can only, well, fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm hoping he can get better. And so it's nice that he won. His idea won. Congratulations to him. Uh, just like a uh, Tim Seeley won the first round Robin and we got the Robins series out of it. And the Robins series was actually better than I thought because that's the last thing I wanted. And here we got Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow. I, I actually think I, this might be interesting. I, I should say as a comment, when I first saw, I did not realize when I first saw this advertisement, I totally forgot about the round Robin. And when I saw the, I saw the phrase Superboy, man, the man of tomorrow, I thought to myself, because you and I were always joking during... Uh, Superman, son of Kalal, that John Kent. I thought it was going to be a John Kent story. I totally forgot about this, and I thought to myself, "Oh, they realize that he's not good enough to be Superman anymore, so they're calling him Superboy, but yet they're calling him Man as well in in the subtitle." So I just thought it was what an odd way of putting a title: Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow, uh, which which I guess makes sense. He'll be a man tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, it's, just, it's just a weird yeah. title, you know, but. Yeah. But anyways, but fingers crossed, you know, hopefully it'll be good. It's obviously just going to be a one shot. I question whether or not it's even going to be much in continuity since it was uh, part of the round robin. Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see, uh, you know, the fact that he's out in space means that, that maybe, you know, not in continuity. Yeah. Uh, so so who knows? Uh, but anyway, uh, up next, th this is surprise has a couple things uh, that are surprising about it. So Green Lantern, we're getting two titles, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan and Green Lantern, John Stewart. Uh, I like that we're doing this because you that, that's really kind of like Barry Wally, you know, which Flash is your favorite. Um, the Green Lanterns are really split. And uh, granted, your favorite Green Lantern could be Simon Baz or Jessica Cruz or Kyle Rayner or, you know, Kilowog, you know, any any chip for that matter. Um, but, you know, we talk about the, the two that have the most um, notoriety, you know, the two that have appeared in other mediums that people might know. I mean, obviously, we had the, the Ryan Reynolds, Hal Jordan movie, which I only have ever seen once in theaters. And I didn't think it was terrible, but man, did it get bad reviews. I've never gone back and watched it because I have a feeling if I do, I'll realize it's worse than I initially thought. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't great. Don't get me wrong, um, especially the villain. And but anyway. Um, yeah, so two different Hal, uh, two different Green Lantern books. One starring Hal Jordan, one starring, starring uh, John Stewart. The Green Lantern Hal Jordan is going to be by Mariko Tamaki, artist yet to be announced. I have some mixed feelings about that because I have a mixed reaction to Mariko Tamaki's work. Sometimes I love it, sometimes it it seems to miss the mark for me. You know, uh, I thought what she did on Detective Comics, her run was really great. But Wonder Woman had one great issue and then was wildly inconsistent after that with Wonder Woman teaming up with Maxwell Lord. And uh, it was just problematic. Um, the artist on Jon Stewart hasn't been announced yet either. But the writer came as a bit of a surprise. As soon as I read, oh, there's going to be a John, uh, Green Lantern John Stewart book, um, I thought, well, you're going to – yeah, here goes Jeffrey Thorne. He gets his chance to write just John Stewart, do all his hero worship, doesn't – mess with any of the other lanterns but no it turns out it's going to be philip kennedy johnson uh so I, I have mixed feelings about that as well and this is the reason we know 
that Philip Kennedy Johnson's fantastic at building worlds, right? Building mythology, big ideas. Uh, we've seen him do it time and time again. And so if you're going to have two different Green Lantern books, I worry that the world building that Kennedy Johnson is going to be doing may conflict with some of the things that Mariko Tamaki wants to do, right? Um, so, I, yeah, I, I wonder about that. And it, is Jon Stewart even a Green Lantern? Because wasn't he like made practically into a god in the Jeffrey Thorne run? And then I have questions about how he was even able to be killed. Um, but, you know, that seems a here nor there. Um, I, I'm, I'm a Green Lantern fan. I'm a fan of the Green Lantern of the uh, uh, corner of the DC universe. Hal Jordan's my favorite Green Lantern, but I, I like all of them. That being said, Jon Stewart's pretty low on the list. Um, down there, probably even below Guy Gardner. Uh, you know, I, I vastly prefer Hal Jordan and then probably Simon or Jessica uh, and Kyle's in there too. It's, it's kind of tough. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, but yeah, John Stewart has just never been a, a character. And, and a lot of that to do with the change from who he was originally architect to, to Marine just doesn't speak to me. But uh, Philip Kenny Johnson's in the Army. So uh, good choice, I guess, for the military aspect of the book. Um, so this, this is one I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for the Hal Jordan book. And uh, I suppose for the John Stewart book as well. What do you think? Uh, well, first I'll start with, uh, uh, well, the easy one is John Stewart is an inspired choice, PKG. That that one is, he was made for that. Uh, I mean, you look at PKG's background, but with his, he's written, he's, PKJ has written uh, action comics, the War World saga. He's written uh, James Bond for Dynamite. He's written um, uh, Alien, Aliens for Marvel. Uh, that that that's combination of science fiction, espionage. Every he's that's just right up his alley. And he, I think, I mean, writing John Stewart. Plus, he's got a background in the military. This to me has the all the hallmarks of what could potentially be uh, potentially his best work. And. And, and it's completely opposite from Marika Tamaki's assignment of uh, to Hal Jordan. PKJ, I just automatically think and feel that he wants to do Jon Stewart. He was, he was essentially, he's perfectly tailor-made to write that title. Unfortunately with Marika Tamaki, uh, she's never, there hasn't been a single title that she's written other than I Am Not Starfire, <laughs> uh, which is for a young adult audience. She's just... I don't think she's ever really found a place in the DC universe that it's really where she's really found her comfort level. And even her favorite, her best work in my mind was her de detective work. Uh, I was not a fan of her Wonder Woman. Uh, uh, not even a fan of her being Supergirl. Like she's got a particular approach and I, and even her, uh, even her Lobo versus Crush or Lobo and Crush series, which is, I think, ironically enough, the, probably the closest thing I can imagine Marika Tamaki to, to coming toward a, a Hal Jordan comic book, <laughs> uh, because that was a space saga, spacefaring saga. But even that, I didn't like how how I love Lobo, and I personally didn't, I didn't, I found less appealing bringing in the crush and the teenage angst, even though that was kind of the point of the series, I know, but I'm old school, I like Lobo. Right. <laughs> and so what uh, I think I joked with you or I might have been with somebody else uh, that I 
Marika Tamaki on Hell Jordan. I picture issue one, Hell Jordan suddenly uh, obtaining a teenage Green Lantern sidekick with purple hair and a, and a nose ring, uh, and uh, who's going to show up Hell Jordan every t- chance she gets, and it's going to be because that seems to be her skill set, and and maybe. Maybe it's unfair of me to say, but Marika Tamaki does feel like she's there's a particular kind of writing that she prefers and she's better at and she gets more recognition by. Uh, I don't I can't imagine that Marika Tamaki said, oh, guys, I really, really want to write Hal Jordan. I just (laughs) she's never talked about it. She's never mentioned it. In fact, she's. But then in fairness, Marika Tamaki, she's not on social media much. She's pretty much ghosted herself on social media. She doesn't like doing interviews. uh, And so. Uh, well, as a result of that, and as a result of the less than inspired creative uh, c- creative output so far, I'm less. Uh, this has all the hallmarks of something that could surprise the hell out of me. Uh, admittedly, if Marie- Marika Tamaki, she surprised me on Detective Comics. I actually, I actually enjoyed for the most part, especially her early Detective Comics run, the early part of that run before the Arkham Tower series. And so, hey, I'm open to be surprised here, but. I would have to be surprised because I'm I'm less excited about Marika Tamaki and Hal Jordan. So, uh, and what an what an odd pairing, but for Green Lantern writers, PKJ and Marika Tamaki, I find that you know even though they're separate titles, like you say, there might be some overlap there at some point. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. So, we'll see. Yeah, and again, I I'm sure she pitched a lot of things, and she is a, a capable writer. Um, but yeah, it does seem like a little bit of a, an odd fit. But you know, it could be it could be fantastic. You know, those yeah. early that detective run was pretty solid, uh, especially early on when Batman wasn't even there. We were really enjoying the mystery she was building. So uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, the, the next one we kind of already knew because Joshua Williamson has talked about it. He's going to be writing Green Arrow, art by uh, Sean Isaacs on that, which. Uh, Isaacs is a fantastic artist, so I'm excited to see him on Green Arrow. However, him on Green Arrow means he's not going to be drawing Thunderbolts over at Marvel anymore, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sad for that because I love his art on Thunderbolts. So um, Green Arrow, uh, I, with Joshua Williams said, I, I, don't, I don't know what to think or what to expect. It's been quite a while since we've had a Green Arrow title, so and we're not really – told what you know anything oliver's been lost since dark crisis his family's determined to, to find him they're dangerous forces uh, determined to keep them apart i mean that doesn't really tell us anything so no no clue what to expect here um well we do have a clue uh, uh, let me ask you this question because we do have a clue i think you've just forgotten and maybe that's not a bad sign but i think green arrow's been very relatively well handled in dark crisis you and I haven't been huge fans of the ending of Dark Crisis, but he's, uh, Oliver Queen and Black Canary, Williamson has done some good character work with them in Dark Crisis, and Green Arrow has actually appeared to be fairly heroic and inspiring, at least in, in the in the later issues of Dark Crisis. So I, I, I think Williamson, he's talked about Green Arrow before. In fact, a number of years ago, he even hinted at he'd like to get his hands on the character at one point. And I think he's... One of the better written characters in Dark Crisis has been Green Arrow, and so that inspires a little some of confidence in me. I the only title of of Joshua's that I've really really embraced has been 
I liked it. I liked his Robin series, and I don't mind his Deathstroke. And Deathstroke and Green Arrow have a history. And also, I love Connor Hawk. I'm more of a Connor Hawk fan than an Oliver Queen fan. But we might see some more Connor Hawk in the Green Arrow uh, series, presumably, and maybe Lady Shiva. That's my one of my favorites. And I so I'm actually kind of excited about this. And I think that this is a title that I think Joshua Williamson has a passion for that passion you talked about earlier Jace I think this is one of those things that could really hit yeah again we'll have to wait and see um I think the last time we had a Green Arrow title I got sucked in based on on the artwork uh and then Benjamin Percy really he was at that time a writer I wasn't familiar with um so between you know I, I bought all the rebirth stuff multiple covers and, and whatnot. And was like, Oh, you know, this is pretty solid Otto Schmidt art. And, you know, Juan Ferreira was an artist on there, Stephen Byrne. So, uh, yeah, it ended up being really, really solid. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that, uh, that they can hit capture lightning in the bottle again, um, on green arrow. Yeah. Uh, so this one is launching with a, a really strong creative team. Um, but we know that the artist is not going to be on it indefinitely. So Batman, Brave and the Bold, I mentioned it earlier. It says uh, it's featuring top writers and artists. So I'm assuming that, you know, a writer and artist team come on and, and do an arc and then move on. Somebody else comes on, tells their story. It's not too dissimilar. Um, Batman, Brave and the Bold back in the day was – there were one-shot issues, but it wasn't always the same uh, same writer. So anyway, they're kicking it off with, with I guess it's going to be a Batman Joker story. Which oh my god enough with the goddamn Joker already <laughs> I know but I mean I, I guess Mitch Garrett's he's the artist he hasn't had really ever drawn you know a long multiple issue Joker story as far as I know he's teamed back up with his longtime uh, collaborative partner Tom King so I mean it's King and Garrett's I mean the, the job they did on the Riddler was fantastic so if I'm if I'm hopeful about a Joker story batman joker story at all it, it would be this one but i still would prefer if they were taken on a different villain I, I gotta be honest but that's how it's kicking off uh some of the other artists that are mentioned are uh that will have subsequent uh stints on the book Guillaume march gabriel hardman who's also a writer so he may be writing and drawing who knows dan mora rob williams who's a writer and more so um yeah we'll see how that plays out i just I, I and I understand why. Okay, it's a new Batman number one. Of course, well, why not put Joker on the cover? But I don't know. Like, are, are, I guess people aren't getting sick of Batman. He's still the, to their top selling title. But I would think people would be sick of the Joker by now. I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, first of all, in a very odd choice, this was actually a very. This is the variant cover for Brave and the Bold number one. So I'm hoping. I personally, I have an nostalgia. I wish they had Brave and the Bold and they. I wish they also had a title called DC Comics Presents with Superman and a guest star and Brave and the Bold. And I'd also like one with Wonder Woman. I wish they'd call it Sensation Comics and have Wonder Woman and a guest star. I wish they would do that for the Trinity. That, that's, that's just, but that's just me as a fanboy. But in any event, with Brave and the Bold, this is a variant cover. I'm hoping that they bring back the classic logo. The last time we saw Brave and the Bold, it was with uh, Liam Sharp uh, on the art. Uh, it was the artist and the writer on the Brave and the Bold, and it starred Batman and Wonder Woman, and it was a six-issue series. And so I really like that. And, uh, of course, we got Liam Sharp's art. Now, this is, I think, a return to the more classic interpretation of Brave and the Bold. Individual stories that uh, of Batman 
uh, that are that don't necessarily fit in to the existing Continu- uh, or into the existing present continuity, but they, they could be stories, Batman adventures from different parts in Batman's history. And so I really like that. And now Tom King, uh, you know, frankly, of all the work that Tom King has done, I'm most critical of his work on Batman, you know? So it's fine. It's, but yet I love Batman. I, I love One Bad Day Riddler and I love Batman Annual 2 and I love bits and pieces of his run, but... Uh, but where Tom King shines, in my opinion, and I know he's a divisive writer, but Tom King shines at individual one-shot stories. Don't give him a long narrative. <laughs> so I think that Tom King always seems to have something to say. You may not like what he says, but he always has something to say about individual characters. And he can take, I think we might be able to, I, I hope... I hope, fingers crossed, get the best of both worlds, get him at his best on Batman. And also, if he's going to be dealing with these different types of team ups with villains, whether it's Joker or, you know, who who knows, it could be any obscure DC character with Batman. uh, Tom King, uh, I I think that this could potentially be a a, a really interesting, an interesting comic. This might be another one that, uh, you know, don't assume uh, Tom King, if you've been following him in some interviews lately, he even one interview, he acknowledged his screw up with Wally West. He's can, he's, he's someone that I, I think that, uh, and, and this is probably, you know, like I said, you and I generally like Tom King. So there's going to be this many listening that say, ah, Rocky, shut your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, I like Tom King. And I, and I think that when he nails a storyline, he nails a storyline. And I think that what the potential here uh, is is really good. Uh, he's got Danger Street coming out. Uh, his uh, we're, we're currently loving his collaboration with Greg Smallwood on um, help me out. Human target. <laughs> Human target. Thank you. So I, I think uh, I think this is going to be a very, very interesting title because I know there are people out there saying why the hell would they put Tom King on a Batman title when he was fired off Batman or let go or whatever narrative you want to believe but still it's an interesting you know uh, it's an interesting choice but I will just say to to naysayers of Tom King that you know for all those people out there that claim not to like his writing you're sure buying his comic book (laughs) you can talk about low sales but you know he's usually the top of the low sales (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're buying it to, so you can talk about how much you hate it. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as Wally West goes, you know, I'm wearing my flash hoodie right now. Uh, yeah. He's, he, he, he said as much on my show about that being a poor choice and, and not realizing just how rabid Wally West fans are. So yeah, he's definitely a guy who can, who can admit his mistakes um, as opposed to some writers who will kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's, um, you know, the right thing to do or not, but we'll you know, defend their work. I mean, I want you to believe in what you're doing, but at the same time, if you make a mistake, you, know, you can admit it. So anyway, up next we have, um, uh, some verbiage here in the, uh, press release that says dark crisis on infinite earth forever change Victor stone. I don't have any idea what that means. And we don't have any, uh, details on the, the uh, creative team, but cyborg is getting its own title and uh, the talent is supposed to be revealed at a later date. And we don't have any artwork either. Um, Cyborg, you know, he had a, a title in uh, Rebirth written by, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. John, what the heck was this? I, I, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll remember it here in a second or I'll look it up 
Previous to that, he had a title that was written by uh, David Walker, and then Marv Wolfman took over. So, yeah, he's had a solo title before, and he's somebody that I feel like DC's not sure what to do with. Going back to uh, the New 52 when Jeff Johns moved him from uh, a founding member of the Teen Titans to a founding member of the Justice League, and he's bounced back and forth. And I don't know, I feel like nobody's really gotten – a good handle on on who Cyborg is, so it, it's hard to you know say who you know uh, who how I might feel about this title or speculate without knowing who the creative team is. So um, yeah, I, I I don't know. What are your thoughts? I straight up, he's never been a character that in, that has interested me. He's been he's he was a he's. Best as a as a as a side character in Teen Titans, uh, when I even Jeff Johns trying to elevate him to the big leagues uh, with the new Fifty Two Justice League, I thought that was a good idea because I actually I actually thought that you know, uh, you know they need they need kind of like their DC Iron Man on the Justice League. It actually it made a lot of sense, you know, and uh, and. And I think he, he works well, but he's he's kind of like another version. I hate to use this as an example, but he reminds me a little bit of Martian Manhunter. You know, Martian Manhunter's on the Justice League too often, but he's just he's but you, you know that he's he's not Superman. He's not Batman. And Cyborg too, he's on he's on the Justice League, but he's he's the he's just not not quite there. Not quite the fan interest. And honestly, I even even the Snyderverse, even the movies never really got me into, uh, you know, Ray Fisher's a great actor. And and I'm not I don't I'm not I'm not I don't want to reference all the, the, the baggage and the controversy between him and Jeff Johns. I don't care about that. Ray Fisher's a great actor. He did a great job in the movies. That's all I care about. And I was entertained. But there's something about it. Uh, and I've I've I read that uh, there was a DCU series, uh, a Cyborg, and I think that was the one written by David Walker. I read that. It was actually no, not that bad. Was, yeah, that that was, was yeah, that, that was the one. You're right. Yeah, that no, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that was the one that launched with David Walker. You're okay, right. yeah, and, and I I thought it was good for some reason. Though, this is a character that it every single time they write Cyborg, it's the same themes over and over and over again. They really need to approach the character differently. Every single time a writer rehashes the same themes about, you know, him trying to reconcile the machine aspect of, to his humanity. And like, maybe, maybe just focus on the humanity aspect. I actually wish, not that I want them to copy Iron Man, but focus on just Write him more like a Tony Stark. I want to. I want to get to know. I want to get get to know the human side of Victor Stone. Write a Victor Stone story where he happens to be cyborg, as opposed to cyborg. You know, cyborg Victor. Like it's just. It's it's the best way he was ever written was by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. They've never been able to capture that, and he was written better in my mind overall. Or. Marv Wolfman, George Perez understood Victor Stone better than any subsequent writer because they they focused on his humanity more so than all of the, I, I don't know. It just, I mean, yeah, I remember, and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah you're right because, you know, I, I, that David Walker he, uh, series, the DCU series did, did focus on that. You're right. But uh, other things that have come before and since, and John Semper was, uh, and apologies to John, I've interviewed him any number of times. Uh, but he was the one that did the, the DC Rebirth series. Here, he, and here's the thing, and let me know if you agree. You put Cyborg on the Justice League, but then he's almost a the, the writers for whatever reason they always 
and Jeff Johns has done this and Brian Michael Bendis and uh, I think even Scott Snyder, he's always sort of the weak link, right? He's always the one who runs out of energy or gets taken over or, you know, his, his <laughs> pro- programming is hacked and he's always the one that, oh, you know, they'd win this battle if it wasn't for Cyborg getting, you know, compromised in some way and screwing over the team. He's like the old – He's he's this team's version of the like the damsel in distress, you know. The, the, <laughs> it's liability. It's, yeah, he's the liability. He's the weak link in the team, and that's that's not what I want. That's certainly not the way that that Wolfman and Perez, you know, wrote him. Because I agree, that's been the best characterization. Now, don't get me wrong; that wasn't perfect because it was of its time, and there was a little bit of the you know uh, stereotypical angry black man. Um, with Cyborg. And, but there were some good stories. I mean, you remember that classic issue where he's standing on the cover and he looks human again? And I can't remember if somebody at Star Labs had created these cybernetic parts that looked human. Yeah. And yeah. so, he, yeah, he was like, I can go out in public and look human or what have you. And then, of course, he goes out and I think he's on a date and something happens and he has to use some of his powers and the stuff start, starts melting, like the, the, the parts that looked uh, like human flesh started melting and then it, you know, he was even worse off than had he stuck with the cybernetic look. So a little bit of a thing, you know, Ben Grimm thing aspect to it, to cyborg. Yeah. So again, but, without knowing who the creative team is, yeah. and, who, who can say, but I'm hopeful. Yeah. But, and I will add this and I, 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 I'm, I guess I'm sounding like a broken record. A common theme in my comments is that I'm, I'm open to being wonderfully and pleasantly surprised. There are so many directions that they could go a cyborg that I hope they pick one of those different directions, not the same retreading the same themes we've gotten before. So I'm really open, whatever the creative team is, I'm open to a, a completely new approach and take on cyborg, not, not, not changing his personality or, or, you know, you can still stick with the character continuity, but give me a different approach to the character through a different lens. That's what I'm really looking for, for the cyborg character. And honestly, I hate to say this, but I don't even know what that would be. But I'm not a writer, so you know. Hopefully, they'll find find a writer who knows knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting about this is there, and there are there's one other title that's kind of in the same boat. Um, if they haven't even announced a writer, like I get, I get. Okay, you you haven't found an artist yet, right? That that the the writer and the and the editor on the book can agree on, or you know, maybe the writer has other, or the artist rather has other commitments. So you're, you know, you're trying to work it out and don't want to announce and then have to, you know, retract. So I get that. But this and, and one other title we'll talk about at the end that don't even have a writer. To me, that means they haven't even settled on a pitch yet. Like there's st- people are still pitching for this is my, is my thought. Um, yeah. Or it could be contract negotiation, but more, more than likely it's man, they haven't even decided on a pitch. So uh, you got they got time. Don't get me wrong. They got time. This dawn of the DCU lasts the whole whole year. But <laughs> I hope it's not, you know, September before we get a, a cyborg series, because that, that just doesn't look good in my mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, next up, I know this is one that has you super excited. I have more mixed feelings, so I'm actually going to let you talk about it first this time. Um, the creative team behind the smash hit Batman Superman World's Finest. So that's Mark Wade and Dan Mora reunite, reunite once again. Uh, we got Shazam. Billy Batson is back as the champion. In, it's called. It's being called an action comedy comic, and it seems pretty wild because right there on the the cover art from Dan Mora of Shazam number one, in progress cover art, which I, I suppose means that it's not going to be 
you know, all black and white except for Shazam himself. But I kind of like that look, actually. I wouldn't mind if they didn't color it. Um, but anyway, uh, a new Shazam by the uh, world's finest team. Uh, I know that has you excited. Well, it does. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach this from a, a different angle. I actually think that this might end up being, for me, a de facto Young Justice series. Because one thing that Mark Wade, Mark Wade is, I think he's, I think he's a couple years older than me. So I think he's in his mid fifties. And yet he's, he's, he's always somebody who's whatever faults Mark Wade might have on in, in his social media, uh, uh, shenanigans over the course of his uh, extensive career. The reality is, is that this guy knows how to write. He thinks like a, he he knows how to think like a fanboy, and he's really great at writing young characters. And he's 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 great at capturing this this the Silver Age sensibilities and the essence of DC characters. He's shown that with World's Finest. He's shown that even when he writes more uh, adult fare uh, with his collaborations with Alex Ross on Kingdom Come, and I think. I picture him writing Shazam. We're, we already get a hint in the in the solicits here. Billy Batson is back as the champion. It, it's an action comedy. It's been advertised as an action comedy comic about a boy with powers that rival Superman's and a whole lot of growing up left to do. That's perfect. That's that's what that to me is what that that's what the Young Justice is supposed to be. And so when I read that, and if you read the classic Young Justice series, Mark Wade, there was so much humor there. And fun, but but and some of it was just plain crazy and funny. And Mark Wade can, is actually decent at writing comedy. He just doesn't intentionally go out to set out to do that uh, in most of the titles because well, because he's he's not always writing uh, titles where comedy is first and foremost. Now I'm not saying, but this is advertised as action comedy. It's it is Shazam. It's I mean it's and he gets to and and because. Again, in the solicits, Billy Batson will see Shazam hanging out at the Rock of Eternity, his secret clubhouse that can travel through space and time, punching dinosaurs in the face, et cetera, et cetera. Right away, this is something where the, the entire oyster of the multiverse, uh, the orrery of worlds, the, the vast in, of the inf- number of infinite Earths are open for Mark Wade to play with, with Shazam. And, and Mark Wade is amazing at working within continuity. I'm even more excited to see what he can do when he's unrestricted by it because he's got the multiverse to play with. I think to the extent that that World's Finest is a lot of fun, I think this has all the potential. I'm probably I'm more excited for this than any of any of the titles I've heard. And so because of that, I'm, I, I, it could probably I could be up for maybe a big disappointment, but I don't think I will be. I don't think I will be. I, I think Mark Wade has stumbled. Uh, Mark Wade is what he's doing with World's Finest, he already knows what works. And I don't think Mark Wade is dumb enough to do something. He's not going to change the way he's doing things now. Why would he? It's working. People are happy with him. People, let, let's be blunt here. There's a lot of people that had a negative opinion of Mark Wade because of things that have, because of the comic book culture nonsense. And But when, when you've got his own detractors loving his comics, <laughs> saying, well, I was never a fan of Mark Wade before, but his world's finest is really good. Everyone is saying that, who, even his detractors. Well, my, I've always loved Mark Wade, and I love his world's finest, and now we're getting Shazam. And, you know, with all due respect uh, with, uh, you know, Josie Campbell, who I think is doing did an admirable job with Mary Marvel. 
I think it's, I think this is Shazam sort of maybe Billy Batson returning to his roots and even building on the uh, mythology of the Rock of Eternity because the Rock of Eternity really is something that's placed, that it is mystical and mythical and it should have a, a, a more powerful connection to the wider multiverse. And I, I'm just so looking forward to this. So uh, I, I'm, you're not as excited or what? No, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think it's a bad choice, but. I mean, Shazam, action comedy, It's I feel like it's been done. Uh, so I'm sure it'll be fine. I, I, I like the idea of Billy Batson as, as Shazam. Again, you know, much like yourself, I've been enjoying what Josie Campbell's been doing. But Mary Marvel's not Shazam. Mary Marvel, you know, she's more of a side character. And that's not to say that, again, that um, – she hasn't been an interesting character to follow in, in in the current Shazam title. But yeah, when I think Shazam, I actually think Captain Marvel and I think of Billy Batson. You know, maybe it's from watching the TV show back in the day. But yeah, uh, the, this is who should be Shazam and the other characters can come in from time to time. Or even what Jeff Johns did, making it kind of a family book with or team book with Billy sharing his powers was, was fine because Billy was always there. But I have a hard time reading a Shazam book that where Captain Marvel's is not is not in it. So um, I guess we'll I guess we'll have to see how it all how it all plays out. So uh, all right, up next we have uh, after escaping Gotham City and his criminal past to go to Metropolis, and we saw that in the pages of Batman. The Penguin is forced back into over organized crime by the U.S. government. Um, Gotham City will never be the same. So. I don't know if this is forcing to work for Checkmate or Task Force X or Task Force Z. Um, <laughs> my biggest problem with this is this idea of of now we're wait now we're rooting for the Penguin and the government's actually the the, the bad guy here. Yeah. We all know how I feel. Just let villains be villains. But this is by Tom King and artist Stefano uh, Guadiano. So I you know. I think at least technically it'll be a well-written comic and interesting, interestingly structured. Um, I imagine Tom King will probably explore some stuff from Penguin's past as he's want to do. And also I don't expect a, an, an, a plot that goes from point A to point B to point C to point D. It's going to jump all around and be convoluted because that's just what Tom does. Sometimes it works for me, sometimes less so. Um, yeah, I'm, I got to I got to admit I'm curious M more about uh, how the setup makes sense. You know how it's going to play out, how he's recruited, and to me the whole series hinges on that. If it feels yeah. super tropey, or if it's just him, you know, working for Task Force X or something, I'm going to lose interest quickly. If it's some new organization or some different sort of situation that where the penguin gets trapped into working for the government, that's going to work better for me. Um, but I remains to be seen. What do you think? Well, you know, it's funny. You know, a title that I think of when I think of Tom King writing a, a penguin title of all things, I think, uh, I think of Rorschach. I think of his work on Rorschach for some reason. And I hope it's as layered as that because Tom King's Rorschach, I think is so underrated. It had so many, he did an excellent job in Rorschach weaving multiple plot lines together that actually worked in a way that Tom King was never able to make work before to that extent, to that success, in my opinion. And, and Rorschach was such a pleasant surprise 
to me. And I know you enjoyed it too. And the idea of Penguin, I I don't think that if Tom King's writing Penguin, I don't see we're going to, I don't imagine we're going to end up with Task Force X showing up. Or if we do, it's going to be in a, just a cameo. But I think actually this is a sort of, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it almost feels like a little bit of an inspired idea because I never, I never thought of, you know, but it actually does fit in with existing continuity. We, we, we already got Penguin with one bad day and whether that's in continuity or not, the idea that the penguin has tried to go legit before he's sort of dabbled in that. He's, he's, he's sort of, he's a little bit, he's been maybe a little bit undefined in the last five years. He's, he's been, he's been good. He's been an anti-hero. He's been a hero. He's been a, he's been a little bit of everything. And then of course we got the penguin. Uh, I think this is probably meant to coincide with uh, the DC, with the penguin series that's coming out of HBO max because the penguin in the movie, the Batman was definitely a character played by Colin Farrell that, that got a lot of, he got a lot of accolades for his acting. And so probably this is trying to capitalize on that. And even though I'm sure it's obviously, are going to be a, a different storyline not it's in a different it's in a different universe the mainstream dc universe not the batman movie verse of course but nonetheless i think it's it's hopefully that will bring some attention to this title and it'll attention to the character and also some some attention on oswald cobblepot you know if he's if he is going to be recruited by the u.s government what what expertise does oswald have and possess that the u.s government wants that they they feel that they need him uh, as opposed to sending in the suicide squad it's good so i i kind of like that I'm, i i like the idea and with tom king writing it again uh look uh, i'm a tom king fan i'm i'm a, at a minimum i give him the benefit of the doubt if i don't like his stuff there's some stuff of his i don't like but i'm, I'm definitely going to be checking this out and uh, my fingers are crossed again so yeah, it's a good point you make about the Matt Reeves uh, version of Penguin. I, I didn't think about that, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense that they would have a, a you know, a title, t- you know, called Penguin. I I don't recall. I mean, obviously he's had a one shot here or there, but I don't recall Penguin ever having a a standalone series before. So yeah, no, he's had one shots. He's had a, he, you know, he's had different one shots over the years, but I don't remember ever him having a series as well. I think this might be. Uh, yeah, people can let us know in the in the chat, but I, I don't think he's ever had a series. That's a good point. Yeah, and the other thing that we should mention, uh, even though we have a few titles left to, to talk about, is n- you know none of these have been announced as ongoing or limited. So um, you know maybe sales will will dictate. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, all right, up next uh, again, no creative team on this one. So uh, my thought is that perhaps again, just like with uh, Cyborg, people are still pitching for this, but. Uh, just in time for his 30th anniversary, John Henry Irons is going to have a title. His niece is going to be in it as well, Natasha Irons. Uh, so they're going to call it Steelworks, uh, which is the name of John Henry's business company, whatever, a laboratory development, uh, you know, whatever you want to call that. Um, I, I, I could take it or leave it, honestly, uh, as much as I'm a fan of Superman. Uh, and, and obviously with the death of Superman and then we had the, the four replacements, we had, you know, the man of steel, the man of tomorrow, um, last son of Krypton and Metropolis kid, which I, the, the first three I I had heard, I'd never heard of Superman really referred to as Metropolis kid, but anyway, um, (laughs) but steel was always my, my least favorite. I just didn't care for his look, the big bulky armor or what have you, but I, I do like John Henry Irons as a character in terms of. 
his ingenuity. You know, he's kind of a, a, a Tony Stark, if you will. Um, and just his kind of grit and the fact that he comes from a kind of a rough and tumble background and, and made something of himself. I know it's super tropey, uh, especially when you take an African-American character and give them that as their, their origin story. But I don't know. Um, I, I, I like John Henry Irons kind of more as a character out, out of the armor than in the armor. So I don't know. Maybe I'm looking for almost like a Batman Beyond type feel where Natasha's the one in the armor out there fighting and – uh, John Henry is most of the time back at home base, kind of being Oracle or, or, you know, Batman beyond Bruce Wayne type relationship. So, um, but that being said, this is one that has me really excited. Cause again, without a creative team announced, it's hard to, you know, to know, um, you know, if you put Bendis on here, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm probably not inclined to like that, but I'm trying to think of who I, who I'd want on it. Um, you know, for all the, the, hard time that we gave Jeffrey Thorne on his Green Lantern run, pumping up Jon Stewart. I wouldn't mind seeing Je- Jeffrey Thorne pump up, go ahead, pump John Henry Irons up some. I'm all for that. So he's the one that actually is my first, first that springs to mind. So anyway, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I actually feel that the, the focus of the series should be on Natasha myself. I always, I personally find John Henry Irons to be a redundancy of Mr. Terrific. Uh, because he's, I, I view he's just another character who's a genius who occasionally does superhero work by throwing on a suit of armor. Uh, yeah, but, but it didn't, he came first though. How can he? Well, be? no, no, I, I realize that. But quite frankly, I, they, they, well, look, they haven't done enough with him, and I'm just, I don't find him very interesting. But hence, probably why they're giving him this series, okay? So, Steelworks, it's a great name. I love the title, Steelworks. It's, in fact, instead of calling it the Steel Family, Steelworks is a just a great name for it. I really love it. And and it can really expand the family. Natasha Irons, I think, is is a... John Henry Irons, Natasha Irons, just great names, great names for the characters, great names for the series. But, you know, again, uh, what who, who would write this? I I, I don't know, but it, it's got a lot of potential. These uh, I still view these characters as largely uh, been unchanged. Uh, they've never really been particularly interesting to me. I, I think of John Henry Irons. Every time I see John Henry Irons, he's in the background doing something and then he then he'll grab a hammer like he's in the backup of action comics you know so he's just he's always there but he doesn't really stand out and natasha irons in my view she actually stood out more with superman in the authority i really like that natasha irons i really liked her role in war world even though she was you know very much in the background i i i noticed her every time she showed up i i kind of liked it i i actually would prefer I would love to see Grant Morrison write this series. I would love Grant Morrison to write Steelworks. I think that would be, I think, because he's the one guy for sure that would, this, these characters need to be, they need to be rocked. They need to, the, the boat needs to be rocked for these characters. And there was such an eclectic, crazy Grant Morrison, like when Grant Morrison wrote Superman and the Authority, the way that he wrote Natasha Irons, the way she, I didn't even understand everything he wrote. I'll admit it about how she connected with the the nanites and all this and all this other stuff. I can't even remember all of it, but it was kind of cool and science fictiony. And I wish that's the direction they would go with uh, Steelworks because I think it's got so much potential. I mean, Steelworks should be 
Tony Stark on steroids, you know, just absolutely insane. And, um, but we'll see, but it's all going to come down to the creative team. And I, unfortunately at, at the moment, I, uh, there, there are so many potential uh, writers on this, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I'd have to reflect more on, on a creative team, but right now I, I just, I would like this to be, uh, a little bit on the crazy side uh, on the, on the have fun, go, go nuts, go crazy, go Grant Morrison, like on this, on this title. Well, the, the word that I was thinking of, uh, and then you ended up using it was, is potential, right? Like, yeah, these characters have a ton of untapped potential. So I guess we'll have to wait and, and see. And if you want a definitive run or, or you want, a run where the where they will stand out, yeah. Morrison might not be a a, a bad choice for that. I'm not a big fan of Morrison, uh, as any longtime listener of the podcast will tell you. Um, and and what I would worry about with Morrison is, you know, we're talking about the untapped potential of these characters. I, I sort of feel like Morrison, his story and the spectacle of it and the strangeness of it would outshine the actual characters themselves. That w- that would be the only worry I would have with Morrison. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, so that's it. As far as the titles we know so far, we know there are, are 20 coming, as I mentioned, um, but they haven't all been announced. Uh, but if you look at, uh, go ahead and put that main graphic back up, Rocky. Um, if you notice on the, what has been, uh, shown so far, half of the image is still blacked out. And then we don't have all of the, the symbols for the, the series on the screen or on the, the graphic yet either. <clears throat> so, you know, you're assuming, I'm assuming some more um, Superman family titles are going to be listed under the Superman emblem there. And you would think more Batman titles. Um, but I mean, well, they, they did hint, they did hint at Hawkman. They did. Yeah, hint I mean, at Hawkman, Hawkman. I, yeah, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to mention that, um, you know, it is the lightning bolt below Batman. I suppose that must be Shazam because it has a red outline as opposed to Flash. Because um, the other thing, you know, we talked about, is this going to be 20 books in addition to is DC going to go to just 20 books? That's another thing that we haven't talked about. If they go to only 20 books plus, you know, one shots and specials, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to go to only 20 titles um, and, and kind of see where they are. Then you're, you're doing the opposite of cannibalizing your audience. You're giving everybody a chance to dip their toe in everything. Um, And it makes our job reviewing everything a lot easier as well. And I won't, lie and say that that's not appealing to me um so yeah the, this graphic obviously is going to be filled out we see superman there we see doom patrol we see green lantern we see uh an arrow head which you know green arrow batman uh, other than brave and the bold we, you know nothing's been said about batman we know we're going to get a batman and we're going to get a detective i imagine batman urban legends because it's been doing so well is going to continue so we'll see and the, yeah there's a hawkman symbol so tim from from Hawkworld's going to be really excited. But the other thing is if you notice in, you know, in the upper left there above the Superman symbol, you know, DC universe, Lazarus planet. And on the graphic I have, it actually says, um, no, I guess it, I guess it doesn't, but I, I, was, I thought maybe it said event there, but you notice in the middle above the bat symbol, we see the word night K N I G H T. And it looks like there's a T after the night, like maybe it's nighttime. So I'm assuming that would be the next event that's coming, the next crossover. And is there room for a third to the right? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, and then the other thing that I'll mention about this image, which is interesting to me, is there's some you know purplish tentacles with these blue glowing circles. 
that's gotta be Brainiac ship. I, I don't, you know, the tentacles that come off of Brainiac ship, I can't imagine it being anything else. So yeah. is Brainiac going to play a big role uh, this year at DC or next year, I should say. So yeah, a lot to be figured out, a lot to be decided um, as far as DC making this announcement and only letting us know about nine titles. Um, you know, some of them may not have creative teams. They chose to let us know about a couple of those anyway, but it may be a, a situation. Well, a couple things. First of all, let's get some more creative teams lined up before we make our next announcement on a few more of the titles. And why not also stretch it out so we can keep the news cycle going as opposed to dumping it all, you know, in late November. And then by the time next year rolls around, people have have forgotten. So I expect uh, every few days leading up to next year or at least once a week, we're probably going to get another announcement from DC saying, Hey, here's another of the Dawn of DC titles. Um, So I'm sure that's how it's going to play out. And then the last thing, you know, we mentioned Dawn of DC being really generic. I mean, there is one connotation if you think about the word Dawn and that's, you know, sunrise coming up, your day is starting. Um, We talk about Dawn of DC are we going to get any sort of reset at the end of dark crisis on infinite earth? Are these books going to be establishing kind of new origins, new continuity for any of these characters? Doesn't necessarily sound like yeah. it's going to be, but it, it wouldn't no, surprise it me. If we got, yeah. If we got some sort of flashback to say, Hey, here's, here's the new origins or here's mini series with updated origins of the characters. I mean, there's got to be some reason they chose that word dawn as you know a, a new beginning, if you will. Yeah, well, I I think it's I think we need a dawn. I I think they the rebirths uh, they if they don't want to use rebirth because that puts too much pressure on them because rebirth was a smashing success and they were dumb enough to squander that and so they want to you know they're calling it dawn of DC and I actually I just want to give a shout out to I, li- I like their design I love the what are likely the brainiac tentacles that you mentioned I like them calling it the dawn of DC there's uh, in- instead of they're not calling it dawn of DCU which is interesting. I don't know if that means anything, uh, but I like that they're sort of borrowing from the, the MCU in terms of, you know, lining up the, the, the symbols uh, throughout the year. I think that's a really good idea. One of the things that, that, that I find interesting here is what's not on this list. I find it's very interesting that very few female characters are, are on it. Now, that, that we, we have the second half of uh, 2023 that we haven't heard yet. And we also know that I guess going in for the first half, we know that Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, uh, those are titles which, uh, and Nubia, those are titles which we know are still ongoing, uh, but they're extremely uninspiring. So I, I'm, I continue to be depressed when I when I think of the future of Wonder Woman, when I think of the future of, uh, so frankly, the, the the female characters of the DC universe moving forward. I think it's a I think it's a weakness. I think it's it's DC's greatest weakness. It's right now. It's currently one of DC's greatest weaknesses. Their female characters, and it, and it doesn't look that there's anything going to be anything inspiring in that regard on the horizon. Uh, now, having said that, I we talked about Natasha Irons. I think that's a character that. You know, it's ripe for potential, so I'm very much looking forward to that. But I will say that this Dawn of, the, of DC, I'm, I have n- very little reason to have any much hope for given where things are at now. There's no change in the creative teams on the horizon for Wonder Woman that I'm aware of or for uh, even a new inspired Wonder Girl title, Yara Floor. Uh, and uh, I think 
Batgirls is very much a miss. And I think it's I think it's fairly obvious why. And I'm really hoping in the second half of 2023 that we have to have changes on those titles. We can't have a member of the Trinity being at, at that big of a low point. And so I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping that we have a little bit more um, like, to, you know, even, even with the Hawkman, I hope we have Hawk, Hawk girl or Hawk woman. Like, I mean, again, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with this, but I'm, I'm actually su- surprised a little by the, uh, the lack of uh, female uh, characters in, in this advertisement, but uh, for, especially if we're getting 20 new titles, it's, 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 I think that kind of stands out because there's a lot of very interesting female characters that, I'd, you know, give me a Cassandra Kane standalone series or a Lady Shiva. Uh, think outside the box a little bit. I think there's, there, there's, there's so many ripe for some interesting mini series on, on these side characters that uh, I haven't, we're not really seeing here. Hopefully we'll see some of that in World's Finest with the team ups or with the Brave and the Bold. But again, that's why, that's why I said I'd like, I'd like to have like a team up book or something out of, where you can have different characters team up. Why not have just a DC team up book with, you know, I, so on the one hand, while this is, this is very conservative and in many ways, this is playing it safe. And I understand that when you're, when you're afraid and you're, and, and you're maybe you're, you're, you're budgeted and you're under scrutiny, you're going to focus on your, your top tier characters. And that's what this is. I would like DC's traditionally been a, a, a comic company that's more likely to take chances than Marvel. Uh, I'm not really seeing a lot of chances being taken here, if I'm brutally honest. But again, I'm optimistic, but I, I just want to point out that all is not rosy here in my mind. Yeah, it's a good point, you know, focusing on the core. And that brings me back to my point about, oh, maybe there's only going to be 20 ongoing titles, which again, I'm, I'm all for that. Because if you do uh, fewer titles, you can focus on making them really good, which is obviously what, what we all want. Um, as far as, yeah, lack of female characters, I completely agree. Again, this is less than half of the title. So, you know, we're going to get a Harley Quinn title. You know, we're going to get a Wonder Woman title of some sort, Wonder Woman family, at least. Um, so there's a couple. And then I, I would imagine we'll get Batgirl, Batgirl, Batgirls, something in some way, shape or form. So, uh, and I'll, I also hope that we get a, a title starring Kara. You know, I think a Supergirl title, you know, should be ongoing. Yes. We know that we know we're getting a Power Girl story in Action Comics, but you know you don't consider it just because she has a a, you know a story in there every every month. That's not a a female title, Um, not with two other stories starring Superman um, in it every month as well. So, yeah, a lot to be determined, a lot to be announced. Still, Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. So we'll see how it all plays out. Absolutely. And uh, with that, I, yeah, I mean, I hopefully DC will, will be, I, it all comes down to how I hope Dark Crisis ends a little bit on a higher note, but I suspect Dark Crisis is, is just going to end establishing the infinite number of Earths and we're just going to have more variety of stories to tell. So I don't think there's going to be much. <laughs> I don't think that it's going to be much different at the end of uh, Dark Crisis. But uh, I'm confident about Lazarus Planet. I'm looking forward to Batman wearing Doctor Fate's helmet. I mean, what the hell? It's it's crazy. But uh, uh, I, I'm actually I I I'm uncomfortable. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with DC moving forward, but in a good way. There's that old expression about where if you get you know sometimes we get we 
you you don't want to get to a point where you're you're uh, you're functional in dysfunction. That's sort of where I feel right now. DC's at. We need to rock the boat, and we got to go outside our comfort zone a little bit here, and uh, in order to rock the boat, and we, we got some of that here with Doom Patrol, and maybe with uh, maybe with Shazam, maybe with whatever we get with Hawkman. We'll see what Tom King does with Brave and the Bold. There's uh, Joshua Williams and Leigh Williams on Superman. I mean, there's, there's there's this could really go off in different directions. Action comics being more of an anthology, you know, three stories in one, more like a Batman Urban Legends, potentially. It's, you know, it's going to be really, It's it's. We're, we live in an interesting time with, with DC Comics and uh, fingers are crossed moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, we didn't even touch on Flash, you know. I, will it be a Wally West series? Will it be a Barry Allen series? I pray to God that... Uh, Jeremy Adams gets to keep writing it. Absolutely. And this is also the perfect, this is also the perfect time. Jeremy, I hope they're inviting him to pitch on some of these other properties. Um, yes. You know, he's somebody who could do a great job on cyborg. I'm sure. Oh um, yes. Or even Steelworks. I mean, yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he'll do a great job on anything. So yeah. EC, I hope you're listening. This is the perfect time to give this man a second title. Keep him on flash and give him another book, please. For love of God. Yes. Uh, so anyway, that's going to do it. Uh, thanks for joining us and listen to, listening to us ramble uh, about Dawn of the DC and what's coming next year for DC Comics. Uh, I'm sure as the announcements are made, we'll, uh, we'll be mentioning them and talking about them on our, our regular uh, DC Spotlight every Tuesday. So uh, be sure you're subscribed to Rocky's channel. Uh, if you're listening to this on the audio-only version, if you have gone to wherever you get your podcast and done a search for the comic source and subscribed, I thank you. Uh, but don't forget to head over to YouTube as well and subscribe to Rocky's channel. It's Comic Boom, Comic Space Boom, exclamation point. You know what to do once you're there. Subscribe, ring the notification bell, leave some comments, um, all that good stuff. And uh, as always, we appreciate the support. Yes. And until then, guys, uh, we'll catch you later. Yep. Bye. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.